This is a show for the leaders of tomorrow. You're listening to stories of innovators creating groundbreaking technology and change makers that are shaping the way we live our lives. I'm your host Hussain and you're joining me while we're peeking into the future. Welcome to the Spark Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Spark Podcast. Our guest today is the co-founder of ThinkFi. She started the company with a goal to redefine outdoor spaces and designed the first Ulta Chata, which is an outdoor sharing device that can generate electricity and harvest rainwater. With her love for design, she's finally making sustainable architecture a piece of art. Please welcome Mrs. Priya Vakil. Thank you for having me. Ms. Priya, you founded a company called ThinkFi with an objective of generating clean electricity and rainwater harvesting in open spaces. What is ThinkFi's vision and what are you trying to accomplish? So ThinkFi brings together a few aspects of design, technology and sustainability. So while there are many products that exist today that are built and focused around sustainability, what we are striving to do is actually fill the gap that exists in terms of experience as well so when i bring together sustainability design and technology we get products that have greater influence on the way that people use it or perceive sustainability or experience it um at large so typically products for sustainability have been always built around performance so less experience but more performance so if i take an example of a solar panel it's always about how efficient it can be uh, how much it can generate what is the most efficient technology out there etc mm-hmm. and less about the experience i mean how often do you take someone up to your rooftop and you know show them your solar panel array versus sustainable technologies that are also focused around good design if you take tesla they completely mm-hmm. changed the way people think about electric cars when they took a sort of sports car approach to the same thing people completely it created a radical shift in terms of what an electric car can mean and it goes much beyond a golf cart or something like that so idea is to bring sustainability to the forefront and use good design and experience as a means to really begin to get people to experience it get excited about it uh, and stuff like that larger vision is basically to this is our first product but the hope is that with all our future products we will address these three aspects of product and the outdoors as a means to really get to know more about the environment that we live in and uh, mr priya the innovation in india is is almost at its highest and you know new products are being developed by local entrepreneurs to solve many problems Now as much as this is promising like you said they aren't focused on the experience they're focused on performance and they're widely failing what approach did you take to capitalize on your innovation I think I'd have to say that when a product has more than one use it automatically becomes something that gets more easily adapted so let's take the example of our product it's a shading device it's a shading structure so when the sun's out it provides shade It's also a rainwater harvesting canopy so when it is raining it harvests the rainwater and filters it and when the sun is out it generates clean power uh, with its integrated solar components that can then be used to 
do anything from charge your cell phone to charge your laptop for outdoor workstations, for example. And mm-hmm. we also have a version that does uh, EV charge. Well, what it's done is basically taken something that would have been have uh, that would have had a single function and made it multifunctional. And for us, sustainability is also deeply rooted in this concept. So for something to be completely usable 24-7 across the year, that's what makes its usability um, sort of special and more sustainable as well uh, in terms of utilization. Right. So when you talk about multi-usage, there are a lot of products in the market and interesting innovations. There are various things that innovators coming up with. But due to lack of consumer awareness, almost every green tech product is seen as a cosmetic upgrade or an alternative to the existing solutions. It's not seen as a necessity or a need of the hour. How would you define the nature of your product to to a consumer or where would you position yourself in the market space? So for the longest time, we have believed in this 3E approach. So that's um, engineering, educating or enforcing. So it's basically one of these three things or all of them uh, that gets um, that takes a sustainability initiative or technology from a nice to have to a must have. So when we look at uh, sustainability through engineering to through better technology, etc. I mean, you know, we could all be in innovating the next most energy efficient technology or product. But it still leaves some room for someone to decide whether they really need it and whether they need it right now or maybe, you know, you're too early for um, what, you know, what is the need of the hour. The second thing is educating. So the other thing is people need to know that they need something or they need to know that you exist as a technology or as a product. So that's also has its own cycle and takes a period of time. And we found that there's nothing better than, you know, showcases and live test beds, etc. So, for example, Singapore is such a progressive um, environment to be in because they, you know, readily are accepting of new technologies. They provide test sites, test beds, do lots of pilots, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one way of, you know, slowly sliding something that would have been uh, nice to have to a must-have. And the last thing is, of course, if none of those two work, or while those work in parallel, is the third E, which is enforcing uh, policy or enforcement at large, which means if I have you know, a regulatory authority that requires me to install solar rooftop for to power outdoor lighting or requires me to do rainwater harvesting across the board mm-hmm. uh, in all residential or commercial buildings, etc., then it's something that I just have to do. So we believe that somewhere within these three E's is the power to really take sustainability initiatives from a nice to have to a must have. And I think without doubt, you know, we're uh, on the extreme end of the spectrum where we think that obviously, you know, sustainable initiatives are uh, something that we should all be embracing, you know, quite openly at this point in time. 
And Mrs. Priya, when you speak about Singapore, and you said Singapore in general is a very accepting market. They provide a lot of area or room to grow a green tech company. What inspiration can we take from Singapore's practices towards a sustainable development future? So I think the biggest takeaway is just the the overall attitude towards sustainability and the environment. So. You know, when you want to test a product or, or a technology, there are multiple stakeholders involved. It could be anything from a government representative to the actual end user to through or an intermediate customer, uh, someone who's just giving you a piece of real estate for you to test your product uh, or giving you a pilot site. So there are all these stakeholders involved. And I think in in more progressive and and typically people always think that you know money is everything right it's about oh you know we couldn't adequately get someone to fund a pilot and therefore nothing went up um you know that's usually uh, a problem that everyone faces but i think in these progressive uh, environments what happens is the attitude towards sustainability is already very different they're a more willing to try things out and be already more sensitized towards why it's important to do this whereas in other parts of the world you may end up constantly making that case for roi um or you know proving that the environment is at stake um at large etc so uh i think i think it basically just comes down to attitude i i feel like india is has is so powerful because there are you know there are so many test beds available for us to test so many various technologies and innovation and there are so many people here who uh, could be part of uh, some of these things we have the brain power and talent there's mm-hmm. no doubt about that um it's just it, unfortunately it's sometimes we we also have the money for the most part but it's just exhausting getting people um convinced to be the first to try something um that's related to you know an environmental practice or technology right you you spoke about the various stakeholders including a consumer the end consumer the way a consumer is motivated towards buying the final product that you have to offer how do you think consumers in singapore are motivated differently than in india i think people look at the environment very differently have different kind of respect for the environment um you know i wouldn't want to isolate singapore um or india for that matter i think india also has uh people who who care very deeply about sort of you know what's going on the the air they breathe and the environment they live in and you know things like that but um i think they do tend to uh have a completely different respect for it and uh because of which you know they they are already willing to sort of quickly adopt new technologies without necessarily focusing too much on the ROI so if i were to you know change my lights at home from an existing halogen or incandescent to uh, led option it's more because we know it's something that works and is saving energy at large and less about you know for every penny spent uh what am i getting in return mm-hmm. so that's the mindset that 
the Indian consumer has and it's the mindset that even Indian businesses work with. Green architecture is still growing in India, but it's been restricted to prominent builders who can afford the marketing resources and sell their properties as the future of living spaces with a higher price tag, of course. So if we look at the large scale adoption without any government incentives, what should encourage small and medium builders to incorporate sustainable architecture and such practices since there is no actual demand unless consumers truly understand or appreciate the benefits of green living? Right. Sustainability has all in 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 a sense has sometimes been mistaken for just needing to be high tech and that to some extent is a myth so sus- sustainable building green buildings at large can actually adopt many low tech ways of reducing energy consumption and water consumption for example the way a building is designed at concept stage to reduce the cooling requirement based on how it's oriented to the sun or is it a you know a glass facade versus something that gives you more insulation how you can perhaps use natural air movement and air ventilation versus forced mechanical ventilation etc you know i'm just calling out a few energy efficiency measures here mm-hmm. um but that's that's basic stuff that stuff that actually reduces your capex uh not only your opex but also avoids overdesign at the time that a building is being designed and constructed so you know if if by uh providing a well lit atrium if i'm able to reduce lighting costs significantly it's a drop in my capital expenditure so regardless of whether your marketing is what gets you a premium uh, on a green building and therefore some level of motivation there is also a hidden savings in designing these buildings correctly uh, using these sort of uh, passive design techniques that make it more energy efficient and resource efficient even for the developers so whether you're a developer with deep pockets or someone doing smaller scale projects there's it's still a win win situation but mrs priya your product is widely recognized as an outdoor space solution for smart cities and we're seeing a lot of development in india as the government sets new targets for smart city projects but do you feel indian consumers are ready to truly adapt to smart technology at a large scale today i think we have the the mass to really create impact there's just so many of us here that any technology that comes into the urban city agenda and cities at large you know we can do so much with these sorts of technology only thing here is we don't showcase enough of it and then we tend to leapfrog into a technology so what i mean is when we discuss smart cities we there are so many aspects that go into smart cities and that's smart living and you know it doesn't end at just being having hotspots or everything being wifi enabled or uh, you know stuff that seems very distant distant from people who actually live in those cities so i feel like if we had more technologies and made sustainability more of an experience in terms of how people uh, begin to think of their cities whether it's uh, an app that gives you environmental data or uh, you know tell, tells you more about the air quality things like that i think that's what actually gives us the information because somewhere all of us as citizens 
would like that information. It's just we maybe never had access to it. And when you suddenly leapfrog into some of these technologies, you know, again, it's one of those questions of you need to know it exists for you to really want it or use it. Um, and, and for me, that is the biggest barrier. And that's something that we as as smart citizens need to demand of these smart cities. So it's not just about infrastructure and better plumbing lines or better roads, etc. Mm-hmm. When we're looking at cities, almost 80 to 90% of them lack master plans or city development uh, planning mm-hmm. from the days that they were earlier developed, right? So does that become a bigger challenge when you're retrofitting these cities to convert them into smarter cities or to, to give them the tag of smart cities? Does that become an initial challenge? And is it something that is the hardest to overcome in the next coming few years? Yeah, I completely agree. I think that uh, it creates a, a big challenge because essentially what happens is there are all these skeletons in the closet that come out one after the other, whether you're, uh, you know, because you don't have a clear sense of infrastructure, etc., also, some cities have grown to sizes where it becomes absolutely important to have this sort of data before a planning exercise is taken on because you cannot just leapfrog to a brand new plan. There is some level of integration with existing uh, infrastructure and requirements that is necessary. Um, so, yeah, you're right. Uh, that That is one of uh, the biggest challenges and getting organized data um is almost, you know, is 50% of your work done when we look at this kind of stuff because then you have metrics and data on the basis of which you can develop a, a new plan. And Mrs. Priya, we've reached the last segment of the interview. The government is doing various things to propel green living and sustainable development adoption in India, especially with uh, with initiatives like the Griha initiative that was that can compete against LEED. So which policy of the government has benefited your business in any way? So over the last few years, the government has aligned a lot with the larger sort of sustainability agenda of the world, right? So whether it's 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 kicking off a smart cities initiative we also have a smart city council now um that in a sense promotes innovation innovations like ours um and and shows us the scale at which we can sort of take these innovations so you know that sort of stuff obviously exists uh there is also like you correctly mentioned uh, the, the, at a building level. So that, that's at a city level. That's a much more macro level. And then at, um, um, micro and meso level is initiatives like these green building initiatives that require, you know, that sort of enforce also to some extent, um, uh, guidelines that require buildings to be more efficient and also adopt newer technologies. We have also made Great progress uh, in that regard. I've worked closely with Viha and IGBC, of course, uh, for a long period of time. And we are just next after the U.S. in terms of our green building footprint, uh, which is a huge accomplishment. Um, so that is something that, of course, is uh, having a huge impact on the building industry at large and aligning everyone to common environmental goals. And I think... Uh, we do also need to see maybe some more stuff at truly the micro level in terms of us as citizens in terms of what benefits we can really get from 
adopting environmental measures. So, you know, there are certain rebates, uh, etc., for uh, adopting solar power and installation, etc. But very few are something that really are, are changing the game. They are not really game changers, you know, changing the mindset completely into adoption of some of these renewable technologies. Right. So what advice would you have for the policymakers of our country to develop that game changer? I think it would be about something that integrates all these scales across a common platform, because at the end of the day, we can't forget, you know, we, we can have regulations for green buildings that are, you know, focused around creating green buildings, but we can't forget about the people who are actually going to be using them and what they have to gain from being in these sustainable spaces and environments. So, you know, if there is a direct benefit that can be accrued to uh, the end user, I think that would really be uh, a game changer versus a benefit that a certain developer may get. Mm -hmm. What is one myth about sustainable development that you can debunk for us today? Uh, So I briefly covered it, but I'm going to have to say um, sustainability equals high tech. And that for us has been, um, you know, one of the the biggest myths. And to some extent, I hope that through innovations like ours, we've been able to be a myth buster in ourselves. So, um, you know, all we did was take a simple innovation uh, and, of course, integrate technology, etc. But, um, you know, a simple idea can go a long way. And the same thing applies within environmental technology as well. So, you know, you don't uh, need to snap your fingers for lights to come on and, you know, things to go off, etc. But uh, I think the fact that sustainability is actually rooted in in very simple innovations um, that uh, have a huge impact. All right, Mrs. Priya, with that, let's wrap up the interview with one advice that you would have for entrepreneurs that are trying to enter the space and be the leaders of tomorrow. You know, we tend to only think about performance and ROI, but I think it is a lot about going back and really listening to what the customer wants um, and what it is that they are looking for. And, of course, designing or innovating for two years down the line, because we tend to think very much in the present and the opportunities that just lie in the present. But I think we need to transport ourselves two or three years into the future and really understand what the requirement will be at that point in time. You heard that from Mrs. Priya Choksi, the founder of ThinkPy, committed to redefining outdoor spaces using sustainable technology. She designed the Ulta Charta to harvest rainwater and generate clean energy while providing a magnificent view to outdoor spaces with her knack for sleek designs. Thank you so much, ma'am, for your time. And we're very grateful to host you on the Spark Podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Spark Podcast. Sign up today to RioJob.com and browse all our jobs, contracts, training courses and much more. I'll see you in the next episode of the Spark. Till then, goodbye.